Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Good morning, City Collective Church. Thanks for being with us here at Church Online. Uh, If this is your first time tuning in with us, my name is Jason. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at City Collective. And if you've been tuning in for a while, if you've been keeping up with us in the midst of the last 18 months, you might notice that we're coming to you from a little bit of a different backdrop. Uh, We've been from our home. We've been from different schools. We've done outside. We've been all over the place. And now, for the first time since March 2020, we're coming to you from H.D. Stafford Middle School. And that's because we are having conversations and hearing plans come together about us coming back in person here, H.D. Stafford Middle School, at the end of this month. So September 26th, I want you to circle it on your calendars. We're going to be back here at H.D. Stafford, 10.30 a.m. All signs point in this direction, so we're starting to put plans together to be together. We're excited. I hope you can sense my excitement. I hope that you're feeling excited about seeing some of your church family again and being back together. It's going to be an amazing, amazing fall. Uh, we, we're going to be dropping off some, some boxes, so keep some, your eyes off for that just to help you get set up for the fall with us at City Collective Church. Uh, over, over the summer, we had the opportunity to kind of walk through the, the book of Psalms. We considered a, a, a wide variety, some of the themes and ideas that were presented. And we're going to be jumping into a new series next Sunday called Around the Table as we start talking again about what it means to be the church. What does it mean for us at City Collective to actually function as followers of Jesus? And what do we feel like we're being called into? What's the vision for this next season uh, for our church family at City Collective? But today, today I feel something for myself. And amongst conversations, I know that's what we're feeling almost on on a macro level. And it's this simple fact that transition is upon us. Whether we like it or not, we are experiencing change. We are experiencing transition. Whether it's the divisive conversations that are taking place, whether it's the rollouts from the health authorities, whether it's going back to school, going back to work, getting out of summer mode, getting into getting into work mode here this fall, whether we are putting together plans with our family of what the fall is going to look like, how we're going to orient ourselves. Transition and change is the norm for us right here, right now, and it is almost overwhelming. I think we all experience transition in different ways. And I, and I feel like we're really experiencing the real tension of transition. Because even for us as, as a church community, going from, from purely online to occasional, these nomadic gatherings, different spots, to now talking about being back in person every Sunday, there's an excitement that comes with that. But I also recognize that there can be some, tra- uh, some tension. Some, some wondering, some anxiety that rises up when we consider that uh, transition all over again. So today I want to talk from the big idea, how do you handle transition? Do you do it well with a bit of mild concern? Do you do it with like instant jadedness, with a heavy optimism? What are the ways in which you feel and navigate through transition? Transition is all over us in every space for our church, for us as individuals, for us as a culture. And, and fair for you to say, I don't like change, especially when you feel change is forced upon us. 
But, but what about the decisions that we make in life where we are choosing to embrace change? What about those moments in our life where we are making a decision knowing that it will invoke change? Well-intentioned, optimistic, hopeful change that we advocate for. How do we handle those moments? And this, this approach that we kind of come to, I even wonder for us in our spiritual formation, in our spiritual lives, where we make a decision at some point for many of you that I'm going to follow Jesus and there is a change that takes place. But sometimes the change does not take us to the place that we expected our lives to go. I don't know how many conversations I've had with different people in the midst of their spiritual journey that they say, I have made a decision to follow Jesus, and I have discovered that it is not as easy as I thought it was going to be. That there is a tension in that transition that they were expecting to be completely absolved of simply because they were making a decision to follow Jesus. But that is not the invitation that Jesus gives us. To. He doesn't give us an invitation to convenience or to comfort. He gives it to us of one of sacrifice and surrender. So when that actually takes place, how do we respond? And how do we actually do what we intended to do in following Jesus? So this is a tension, I think, that we experience when we ask, how do we handle transition? And then we apply that to our spiritual journey and ask the question, what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? What does it actually mean to follow Jesus? And I want to start here in, in an unexpected turn of events in the life of Jesus and his disciples that they come together and, and the, these individuals are confronted by this opportunity for transition and they make a decision to follow him. And these disciples who followed him for approximately three and a half years, that they, they do so and they, they make themselves disciples in their, in their following of the ways of Jesus, not just even in the person of Jesus. Now, if, if you're new to, to our church community or you're not really sure what the, the word Christian even means, uh, when it's broken down, it almost means a little Christ. Or more, speci more specifically, it literally means to follow after Jesus. And the big idea around it being that we commit to Jesus and we become like Jesus as we consider the world as he did, as we think as he did, and as we act as he did. So Christianity in its definition really isn't all that complicated. To be a Christian is to follow Jesus. But to follow is, leads us to a place of transition. And it leads us to a place of change. And in turn, I would associate those two words with discomfort. I think you and I, we can be guilty of creating a caricature of Jesus and have a preset sequence of steps that lead us to him that are based around our own convenience and our own comfort. When in reality, spiritual formation is the journey of spiritual transformation and transformation leads us directly into a place of tension in the midst of transition so this is what we're going to dive into this morning we're going to look at an individual that i think made a decision much like many of you this morning and if you've never made that decision what a great opportunity to consider what it might look like what it might be for yourself we're not sugarcoating anything this morning 
We're going to look at a character in the Bible who made a decision, felt confident in it, felt secure in it, and then when times became a little bit difficult, outside of his scope of thinking of what it might include, he responded in a way that indicated that the transition that had taken place, the transformation that had taken place, the decision of following Jesus was not actually secure in his life. And that is the person of Peter. So we're going to look at a piece of scripture from Luke 22. Uh, Luke 22, 56, verses 62. And we're going to look at what happens to our friend Peter. And it says this. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looked closely at him, said, this man was also with him in reference to Jesus. But he, Peter, denied it, saying, woman, I do not know Jesus. And a little later, someone saw Peter and said, you're also one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man was also with Jesus, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, whilst he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. To be honest, it's one of the most sobering scriptures in the New Testament. Transition takes many forms. Transformation takes many forms. And to follow Jesus is not always what we think it is. And for Peter, that was the case. Him and, his, him and his fellow disciples, they went on a long journey with Jesus. And on journeys, you have pit stops, and you have, you have moments of reprieve, you have moments of rushing, you have moments where the plan comes together, and moments when the plan doesn't. Have you ever been on one of those trips? Have you ever been on a road trip that didn't go as expected, didn't go as planned? Everyone kind of plans their road trips a little bit differently. Perhaps you're like, you're like myself and you're a little bit more of a planner, but you like to interject planned moments of spontaneity. Even though I want to have my, my spontaneity a little bit under control. Uh, or maybe you like a completely free, I know for myself, the, for uh, Derek's bachelor party, we had an opportunity to just go on a trip with the boys. We got to go from Calgary all the way to the island, and we, we did so, and we, we had many adventures along that way, and I remember so many stops along it where things took place that we were not expecting to take place. We, we, we had a car tire get punctured that we had to randomly put up a sign using duct tape to have people come and help us from the side of the road. We, we stopped in in Victoria and instead of doing something that you would expect a bachelor party to do, we went on a tour of the parliament building and that was not the expected course of events. And it was, it was part of the adventure, it was part of the story, it's part of our learning and we were ready to kind of take that head on. But I know in some situations when things don't go as planned, I do not respond in that same way. Have you ever had a plan and not how to go your way? Doing all the things that we're supposed to do and yet falling short when the time is right. But before you start beating yourself up, I want you to understand, I think it's part of being human. Our, our subconscious pumps out examples based on what we've seen in, in TV, in the news, in our relationships, in our cities. Uh, and, and sometimes they're healthy ideas, sometimes they're fanatical, sometimes they're abrasive, sometimes intrusive, sometimes gracious, sometimes humble. But these ideas of how plans are supposed to come together. That if you do the work, then it will come out perfectly on the other side of it. But 
the reality of life is that you will encounter frustration. You will encounter brokenness. You will encounter pain. And so when those things come up to us, these, these moments of transition from, from what we're experiencing to where we're going internally, physically, spiritually, uh, emotionally, where do we go? How do we respond? And this is where we get back to our friend Peter. Peter in the New Testament had made a decision to follow Jesus. He became one of the disciples, and, and there's so much story told about this journey specifically for Peter, how he came to know Jesus. And there's even a moment before the scripture we read where he says to Jesus, I would never deny you. I have chosen to follow you. I would never deny you. Peter had moments with Jesus that he would hold on to. And when life was going as he had expected, he, he, as he had planned for, he kind of took it head on. But when things changed, we saw a different response. Jesus made a statement that forever changed Peter's life. And he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of, the men, of men. And the Bible says they immediately left their nets and followed him. Peter left everything that he has. He doesn't seem to question the decision, and he begins to follow Jesus, not only in a physical sense, but in a commitment of his life. History has a lot to say about Peter. Many believe him to be one of the older of the group of disciples. He had a competitive flair. He was often quick to speak without thinking, and he lived his life with passion and de desperately loved Jesus. He sees Jesus do miracles for people around him and people within his circle, within his life, even for his mother-in-law in Luke 4. Uh, he saw the impossible take place on the Mount of Transfiguration in Luke chapter 9. He steps out in faith and he walks on water in Matthew chapter 14. And it would seem that every step of his, his life, of his journey, was exactly what he had hoped for and dreamed of. And at every step, Jesus invites Peter to follow him. It's a clear invitation at every juncture. I, no wonder when Jesus was taken in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter went all Liam Neeson on him, and he cut off the servant's uh, high priest's ear. This was a response of a man who'd made a decision. And this makes the scripture we read even more sobering. Because you had seen a man who had accomplished much in so many ways ultimately fail the tests when it mattered most. He denied Jesus when it got hard. He was living with a picture of himself as able to sustain through those moments of trial which didn't become his reality. So the question that we're confronted with is an important one that most of us either consciously or subconsciously ask when we look at the life of Peter and we consider our own decision to follow Jesus. If Peter can't do it, how am I supposed to do it? And what stopped Peter from achieving his desired picture, his desired outcome? Now, before we look at what it is, I want to talk about what it isn't. Because I think it's often easy to make grand spiritual formation indicators you're the reason why you, you fell short of following Jesus. Because when we look at Peter's life, Peter was literally following Jesus. You, you know what I'm talking about? It wasn't because he had an unhealthy devotional life that he falls short. The living word in Jesus, the word became flesh in front of him, was literally speaking life into him on a daily basis. What if I told you his devotional life was as good as it gets? It was, it was, it was quite healthy. What if I told you he had the kind of engagement with God that we long for? And, and 
he, he had experiences that confirmed his faith in relationship with God. He had the kind of engagement that transformed him from a fisherman to a fisher of men, as Jesus put it. That him and God had such an intimate relationship with one another. Because I know our approximations and our constructs of following Jesus, how we're called to pray more, how we're called to read more, how we're called to be with God more, to worship more passionately. And those things are not bad, but those things were not missed leading to, Jesus, to, to Peter denying Jesus. Peter had all of that in place, and he still fell short. He was taught how to pray by Jesus himself. So I think it's fair to say that prayer was good for him in his life. I would like to argue that there was a barrier in Peter's story which was preventing him from truly understanding what it meant to follow Jesus. And it would flare up even in the good moments. I think the character of Peter is prominent because it's so relevant and so real and so understandable in our human condition because you and I, in so many moments, things we think we have made a decision and we ignore the pieces within us that are preventing us from actually doing what we're saying we want to do, to follow Jesus. Peter understood that that statement can be uh, full of ups and downs, it can be in intimidating, it can feel unrealistic, but part of being Christian is, is sometimes the expectations that we place on ourselves. And somehow in our North American construct of church and Christianity, we can be more focused on what we do rather than why we do it. I think Peter was a doer, so he gets us. We can do all the right things that would correlate to following Jesus when the invitation seems to point to those actions being an outflow piece, a secondary piece to what God truly desires, and that is the restoration of our hearts. That perfection was never the intention. That being better than others was never the purpose. That living a successful life by society's standards was never the path. And this is the conclusion I see when I look at the life of, life of Jesus and I look at the life of Peter. That the call to follow Jesus is not the pursuit of perfection. It's not the pursuit of happiness. But rather it is a life of complete surrender. And you would think to yourself, Peter looks like he surrendered it all. But in his responses, I think the heart that he was carrying had pride within it that was preventing him from actually completely giving of all of himself. He pridefully says to Jesus, I would never deny you. He, he, there's prideful moments where he, he seems to elevate himself to some degree amongst his fellow disciples. There is an element of pride that has seeped within his relationship of following Jesus that he has not identified. And it is preventing him from engaging what it means to actually go to a place of complete surrender. City Collective. I'm so grateful for so many of you that have made the decision to follow Jesus. That is an incredible decision to make. But part of our journey is to not just simply do what Jesus calls us to do, but hear what Jesus asks us to hear. And it's this constant invitation, will you follow me? Not based upon your own comfort and convenience, will you follow me? Not just because you think you've got a plan that makes sense, but will you follow me? 
in a space of complete surrender and asking ourselves, what do I have within me that is preventing me from leading, living a life in complete surrender? It's a real and honest question. The call to follow Jesus is not the pursuit of perfection. It is the pursuit. It is not the pursuit of happiness. It is a life of complete surrender. And perhaps that might seem a little bit vague, but let me orient you to what that normally comes about as. Because we lean more towards partial surrender in our relationship with God often. Uh, I will surrender my, I surrender my time and perhaps my Sundays, but my Fridays and my family, they belong to me. I can surrender a bit of my paycheck throughout the year, but the bonus I earned at Christmas, that belongs to me. And the thing is, partial surrender isn't surrender at all. It is a concession. Partial surrender is a concession. And we approach our decision to follow Jesus in the mentality of a negotiator instead of a follower. And we have good intentions, but surrender in the fullness of its word is hard. Because we cling to things in our life so tightly because of the value we place on them or the identity we find in them. And it might seem like we have, but we have to ask ourselves, where in my life am I actually not choosing surrender? I'm actually trying to negotiate a concession. Jesus is not in the business of simply making our life better or making us more moral. He's about making us well. He's about making us whole. Peter didn't have a problem with the scriptures, didn't have a problem with prayer, or even in his intimacy of his relationship with God, he had a problem with surrender. He had all the spiritual accessories that we assume we need to step into the fullness of God, but he also had an unidentified, unaddressed, issue that he erroneously assumed his spirituality would address without intentionality. What is our unidentified, unaddressed issue that we believe our spirituality addresses and we ignore any sense of intentionality? What caused Peter to fall short in that moment is, is that he w- wasn't that he wasn't following Jesus correctly, but he wasn't doing it wholly. And we see this come to life in chapter 22 and in Matthew 26, verses 34 to 35, where Jesus, like I said, he warns him and he chooses to deny him. And he says that he would never and that he could never and that he would die for Jesus. And pride enters the equation with this idea that he would never deny Jesus. But this isn't the truth. But isn't this the truth about our ideas? That we carry them with so much pride. We we carry these things with so much pride about ourselves and what we will do. And we have trouble letting go. Peter had trouble letting go of this picture in his mind of being the ultimate follower. And what Jesus is is infamous for, is, is famous for maybe, is taking your idea and replacing it with his. A better idea, a truer idea, a more honest idea. And God comes and he tells us that I have a different plan for your life. And we push up against it and we want to follow Jesus, sure, but not wholly, but just partially because that's where we're comfortable with at the moment. But that that isn't what we're invited to do. That's not what we're told to do in those moments. He wants our whole heart. Because here's the thing, 
Church, hear me. As we return to these, this next season of being in church community, I think we are very rightfully so being careful of, of where we're putting our time, where we're putting our energy, where we're giving of ourselves because we know it's going to take some time to reacclimate to the normalcies and rhythms of our everyday lives. But let me invite you this morning that following Jesus is not a space of negotiating or concession. It means to be a follower. It means to give of all that we are. It means a life of complete surrender. So it's to actually place Jesus at the forefront of our decision making, not as the afterthought of our decision making. We want good things. I know this. But this is what we do. We want to be overcomers with nothing to overcome. We want to be courageous with nothing to fear. We want to be loving with no catalyst to hate. We want to be servants with no jerk to serve. We want to be givers with our, without our wallets involved. We want to be carriers of causes instead of crosses. And there are falsities of following the, and these are falsities of following the world. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the invitation that is given to us is, would you give all of yourself to me and watch what I do? To follow me is to be in complete surrender. That is the invitation of Jesus. Jesus wants the truth for us in the midst of a world of so much lies. N.T. Wright says, the longer you look at Jesus, the more you'll want to serve him in this world. That is, of course, if it's the real Jesus you're looking at. Plenty of people in the church and outside of it have made up a quote-unquote Jesus for themselves and have found that this invented character makes few real demands on them. He makes them feel happy from time to time but doesn't challenge them. He doesn't suggest they get up and do something about the plight of the world, which is, of course, what the real Jesus had an uncomfortable habit of doing. Jesus has these uncomfortable habits leading us to spaces that we never thought possible. So I want to invite you this morning, church. Would you consider what it would be to follow Jesus completely? Would you look to the way, the truth, and life and say, what is the story you want to invite me into? How can I surrender myself completely to you? In a time where we are clamoring for control, I believe we are more than ever invited to actually find peace in complete surrender. Complete surrender to the God who loves us. To follow after him each day. Each day we encounter new situations, have new interactions, new transitions. And we learn new things, and we have to surrender them afresh. If you're in the midst of transition, you know the best way to handle transition is actually to learn to surrender it over to the God who gives us the way, the truth, and the life, and that is to operate with love at the center, with Jesus at the forefront of our decisions. If you're in the midst of transition, don't clamor for control, but give over complete surrender to God. Make Jesus at the center of the transition, at the center of your storm. May your actions be founded in surrender instead of convenience or duty. 
Perhaps this is the first time. Perhaps you need to make a decision to follow Jesus this morning. Perhaps you're making a decision this morning that I'm not going to just decide in my heart to follow Jesus. I want to be a public declaration of baptism. Or maybe you just need to start afresh. I've walked away for so long, and I need to go back to the source because I'm in the midst of the tension of transition, and I don't remember what it looks like to live in complete surrender. Daily surrender, daily grace, daily renewal, daily new beginnings possible through the person that we call Jesus, the one that we know came to seek and save those who are lost. To follow Jesus is not the pursuit of perfection. It is a complete surrender in pursuit of real relationship. So regardless of where you find yourself this morning, know that Jesus gives each and every one of us every day this gentle invitation, come follow me. Surrender your life. Hold with open hands all that you feel is heavy and burdensome and bring it to me and I will give you rest. And when we fall short, as Peter did, the story for Peter didn't end there. He discovered forgiveness. He discovered purpose. He discovered wholeness when he brought himself back to the person of Jesus. And he said, Father, forgive me. And he discovered forgiveness. And he turned his life back on the path towards the path that Jesus has set before him. And he was part of changing the world. So let's begin today. A little step of surrender this morning. What do I need to let go of to actually live a life that follows Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the ways in which you shape us and you mold us and for how you have guided us in this, this past season and what you have planned for us in the season to come. I pray as we come forward, perhaps with trepidation and anxiety, unsure of how much we can give, unsure of how much we can do, I just pray that there is just a, a strength that is built up within our community, a strength that is built up within us, that there is a sense of your presence that is leading and guiding us, and that we don't just make you the last choice or the, the second part of our decision, but at the forefront and at the center. We just pray right now as a people that are making a decision to follow Jesus, that you would give us all that we need and more, that you would give us the courage to live a life of complete surrender so that we become people who love unconditionally, who serve unconditionally, who treat others with the grace and the truth that you have shown to us and that we live a life that is for others, that is representative of the habits of discomfort that you've led your people from the very beginning. And so we just know that in the midst of it all, we can discover you, we can find you, we can trust you. I pray that that courage rises up within us this morning, that you give so much strength to those who are making that decision right now. I would love to surrender all that I'm holding on to so tightly that is so burdensome. Would you take it and would you give me rest? I just pray for freedom for those right now in Jesus' name. We give you thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.